You can open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And man, we like each other. I love that. Uh, So yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. And if you've been around Gateway and and you're smart, you can see... Um, that we are taking a break from the book of Luke, and that was just really per instructions. That's kind of my instructions for this weekend, is to take a break from the book of Luke and to uh, focus on Easter and really think about um, what can we focus on, what can we remember about our opportunities as a church over the next week as we celebrate Easter. And so when we talk about like what can we remember and what can we focus on, um, to me that says for many of you, this isn't something that's going to be profoundly new for us. In fact, um, as I've been getting ready for this, I've, I've I think I basically taught some of these exact same things on this stage recently. And so it's not profoundly new, but hopefully highly important and meaningful and focusing for us. And I just got to give a disclaimer to all the teenagers in the room that uh, you have probably heard this before. Like a couple weeks ago, you heard most of this message. That's just kind of how the Lord works as, as Bob and I were talking about and praying for this weekend. I'm giving this message on Wednesday night and it was like the Lord was saying, yes, this is, talk about that. And so students, you get to be the experts this morning. You get to kind of cross your arms and look at your parents and say, yeah, you need to figure that out. Or, or maybe maybe you just need to hear it again because you didn't listen that night. I don't know, but I'm trusting the Lord is going to bless us in this. So let me do this. Let me just pray for us one more time and then we will um, jump into this this morning. Lord, um, it's good to be here. Thank you for the life and joy in this room. We know that that is from you. Um, thank you for bringing each and every one of us. Uh, I pray that that you would take things that for many of us we've heard and you would um, press them on us again, that you would focus us, that you would challenge us, remind us, Lord, um, anybody that walks in here in uh, in hard circumstances in life as we talk through these things, I pray that they would find hope and peace in you. And again, um, what you do in people's lives. We love you. Uh, Help us be our teacher this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I, I'm guessing since this is the Sunday morning crowd, not very many of you were here last Saturday night, but last Saturday night we had a couple baptisms. This is one of them. Um, this is a girl named Michelle. She's a senior at Washougal High, so she's like months away from graduating and kind of entering into that whole next phase of her life. But she's wanted to get baptized for, uh, for, for a couple years, but her guardians were, were, were not really sure. And so they just asked her to wait until she turned 18. And so last Saturday was her 18th birthday. And she's like, I'm doing that on my birthday. She got baptized. It was so exciting. It was just really fun to be a part of that. And, and, and I was thinking about this Saturday night as I was driving home. I was thinking about, man, like as a youth pastor, you, you, I just have some of the best things that I get to be a part of. I mean, when, when, when students are getting baptized, you guys get to watch all of that from out here, right, on the big big screen or whatever, um, I, I get the best seat in the house, 
Like, I, I'm right up there. Not only am I there with them, uh, I get to, like, talk through, pray through, help them get ready. I get to be backstage. So last weekend, Pastor Ken was up here preaching, and Michelle and, and Sarah, who got baptized as well, they were, they were backstage, and they're nervous, right? And yet they're so excited to kind of come out and let everybody know about what God has done in their life. And it's just, it's just so fun to be a part of that. I think about, as a pastor, again, I, I, I get to share share in a lot of those just some of the most exciting times in people's lives weddings um, when they're coming to know Jesus baptisms like all this kind of stuff at the same time um, I'm also invited into some of the darkest moments in people's lives as well like this just happens to you as a pastor and so I was just thinking even over the last few weeks like I've been in situations where I just uh, a set for uh, probably an hour and a half with somebody a close friend and just cried with them over the loss of a close friend that they didn't expect. I just, just kind of sat there in that moment, um, sat there sitting across the table from somebody who their view of life is so kind of rocked by depression and darkness right now that the best thing in their life right now would just be to end it. That, that's all they can think about right now. And you're sitting, like, that's a dark, dark day. And, and I can think about, like, um, just again, over the years, I remember uh, one time I got a phone call and um, got stuff together, went into Emanuel Hospital, um, kind of sat with the family, and then walked with the mom um, into ICU to be with her daughter that had been in a severe car accident. She was life flighted, so this was, this was really ugly. And she's all hooked up in a machine. Here's a mom, and here's this girl in my youth group. And just to be there and, and and pray at that moment because that was all we really knew how to do and what to do. And, and, and that was after spending some time with the young man from our youth group who had been driving that car and watched his friend life flighted away. I mean, these are dark moments in life and 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 I get we, we get invited into both of them we experience both of those kinds of things and what I've learned just um in being in dark moments in life with people I've learned that those things reveal our theology you, you know what I mean by that they, they they reveal our understanding about God and who he is and and how we relate to him they they reveal that sometimes more than any other place like some of the truths about God that we know and some of the confusions about God as well that we hold on to see what I've found is in those moments oftentimes people are asking questions like um, again how how could this be happening you know, this is confusing to me. We, we read some of the things that Jesus says that we sang about, about how, how he's into life and, and he's into hope and he's into peace. And, and we kind of take that and we construct this view of God that as I follow God, then life will somehow be easier for me. It will be more comfortable. I'll start to kind of get everything in life that I want out of life and it will all kind of work my way. And, and in dark moments of life, what we find is, is that if that's our view, it's confusing. And, and so what I like to say is, you know, that, that's an idea that would be awesome if that's the way it was. But at the same time, Jesus never promised that. Jesus never said that if you come to me, life will be more comfortable and easier. 
He, he never said that, but he did say things like this. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And Jesus, when he says this, he's speaking to his closest friends on the night before that he's going to be arrested and, and go to the cross. And, and, and he knows that's going to be a dark day, right? And he's talking with his friends and he's telling them that he's going to leave them. He's going to be gone. Yeah, you've been with me the last three years and that's been great, but I'm going to leave you. And he even says it's going to be good that I go because I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and be a part of your life in a different way. Um, But I, I want you to have peace. That's what Jesus is saying. That's his desire for us. Like peace, I, I think about that as, as the most secure situation you can be in. Like you're not afraid. Um, you're not worried. You're, you're not overwhelmed. You have peace. That's what he wants. I've told you so that you can have peace. But in this world, he says, you will have trouble. And on your notes, I want you to circle that word will because that's the thing that sticks out to me. I don't know, we, we read that and we see the word trouble as well, like that's true. As, but, but at the same time, he uses the word will, like it's confident. That, that's not a, a maybe or a, or a possibly this might happen or whatever. He's looking at his friends and Jesus is saying, you will have trouble. But he goes on to say, take heart, I have overcome the world. To me, that's... That, that's one place in the scripture where it's like the gospel in one verse, isn't it? Like you, you will have trouble in a, in a broken world because of sin, because of the reality of what that has done. There, there will be hurt, there will be confusion, there will be death, there will be sickness. You will have trouble, but Jesus says you can have peace because I'm greater than all of that. That is the gospel message. That is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And to follow Jesus is to know that. And not just to know it intellectually, right? Like it it doesn't mean to follow Jesus is to know that information. I don't care if you can quote me 50 verses in the Bible where it says that, where where you can kind of get that right on a test. To, To follow Jesus is to experience that. Like to be in the midst of trouble and yet have peace. To be kind of in overwhelming circumstances, but, but to be able to keep moving on and, and, and to be okay to lose something, but, but to be able to move forward in life and, and not to be able to do that because you're awesome and smart and tougher than anything that the world could throw your way, but because of Jesus and him being greater. To know Jesus is to experience that. And what I love about like this place is there's so many of us that have. I mean, I think about that and I would just say, when have you experienced that? Have you ever peace in the moment of trouble? I mean, I was just thinking, I, I love Gateway in that way because um, there's so many of you who could tell stories. I mean, we could just stop the message right there and, and I could just walk around with the microphone today and I could just interview one after another who could say, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about this time in my life. I'll tell you about what God did. It was overwhelming and yet there was peace and he walked me through that and, and, and we can say that and we get to celebrate that this weekend. I mean, that is um, a big 
core of the Easter message, right? Um, that, that on the darkest days, I mean, here's Jesus, our Savior, and he's unfairly put to death. And many people on that day thought they won. They thought it was over. They thought they conquered everything. And yet Jesus, even in death, is greater. He conquers death. And in that kind of opens the door for us to have the relationship with God that we can have. Like this is the Easter message that Jesus is greater than even the darkest things. And and so we get to celebrate that. And again, to know Jesus is to walk in that at some point in your life and often many times. But, but here's where we want to go this morning. We, we want to admit that, and, and we want to realize this, that when God works in your life in that way, when he comforts you in times of trouble, that is not just for you. It's not just for you to have and just kind of hold on to and have your comfort kind of in your arms over in the corner singing songs to Jesus by yourself, just glad that you got through that circumstance. It's not just for you, but what we find is that God intends more than that. God thinks bigger than just in your life, but his plan is that that would overflow and be helpful in the lives of people around you. Or our big idea is this this morning, that God's comfort, again, is not just for you, but it's to extend beyond you into the lives of others. And and this is what the Apostle Paul, he goes on to write. He starts his letter to the Corinthian church out in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're there, we're, we're going to start in verse 3 because the first few verses are just kind of Paul's greeting to this church. They're, they're great, but, but, but then he starts his letter in this place. And in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And on your notes, I want you to just write, That's for me. Because as we talk about how comfort overflows into the lives of other people, sometimes we start to say, like, wait, what about me? What about what I need? And, and Paul's saying, wait, God's comfort is for you. Or he says, God comforted us or, or me. That, that God is the source of real comfort, right? That's what he says. He's the, the, the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion. It begins with him. And we need to remember that sometimes when we offer comfort to other people, um, we offer really shallow, not real comfort, but just shallow things. Our, our culture is just really good at that, right? When, when somebody's just talking about the stresses in their life and how they're kind of overwhelmed, and we'll say things like, I just hope you can have a day off, right? You just need, you just need a day off, or, or you need a massage, go get a massage, right? That would change everything or go for a run or here's a glass of wine or whatever like like we offer these things and and sometimes those things like can give us a moment with our Lord where real comfort happens but if they don't then they're just shallow they, they offer no help right like our culture is just full of what I would call medicators that just dull the pain in our life or, or help us escape the pain in our life for a short amount of time. And they don't do anything real to fix and, and, and help us walk through what we're dealing with. Real comfort comes from God. And Paul says that and he knows it. God has comforted us, he says, in trouble. And, and, and I think about Paul 
And um, Paul, probably more than anybody, he could, he's like the poster child for life getting more complicated when you come to Jesus. Isn't he? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're newer to the Bible and kind of his story. But when you read about Paul, um, his story is that before meeting Jesus, um, you get the impression that life was pretty good for him. He was pretty easy. He talks about how he was in a very religious culture and, and he was somebody who was thriving in that culture. In one of his other letters, he writes about how he was born into the right family and he studied at the right schools and he, he, he started to follow all the right rules and he did really good at it. Like you get the impression that Paul was one of those guys that was just really good at everything that he did. You know people like that? Right? They're ruggedly handsome and they're smart and get good grades. And, and, and not only that, they're good at sports. And so they've never went skiing before in their life. And they go out and they're just awesome. And you've been skiing for 10 years and you can't keep up with them. Right? And they play the guitar. And you're, you're just like, I mean, how many of you just hate people like that? Just really, I mean, don't, don't, yeah, don't raise your hand. I mean, th- this is Paul, though. He's just good. He says, as far as following all the rules that were set out, I, I've been faultless. Like, he nailed it, straight A's comfortable life and and at that time he's out kind of leading the charge see with his belief system at that time people that followed Jesus were following a false idea of God and and so Paul was out there kind of leading the charge against people um, pressuring them putting them into jail even celebrating the death of their leaders right and and then he meets Jesus and and everything Everything's kind of turned upside down for him. Everything's transformed. And all of a sudden, instead of wanting to pressure people away from following Jesus, he's, he's wanting to follow Jesus. And not only that, he's wanting to be with other people that follow Jesus. Can you imagine how complicated that was for him at first? I just think about walking into the little church service or whatever, the gathering of believers or the people that he had just been like against. And imagine there's no place for him to sit. Nobody, nobody really wants to include him. And finally he sits down. He's like, hey, I'm Paul. And the guy next to him, hey, I, I, actually, I know who you are. You put my dad in jail. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> right? This is, this is complicated. And, and not only that, Paul has the people that he used to run in life with. And, and, and now they hate him. They pressure him just about every place he went as he shared the gospel. There was somebody who radically, emphatically stood up against him. He, later on in, in this letter of 2 Corinthians, he, he just has a list of all the things that he experienced in following Jesus. And it's, it's things like being beat up, being stoned almost to death, being put in prison, facing riots, not, not having enough food, being up too late, like all of these things. Like it was harder. There was, he, he was living, you will have trouble. And yet he can write to his friends in Corinth and say, but, but God comforted us in those troubles. It was for Paul and his friends. He knew that, right? We, we know that, but notice where he goes on in, in verse four. He says, Here, here's the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's kind of wordy, but it's beautiful, isn't it? Paul says, I've been comforted 
And I realize that out of that comfort, I can share that with others, and they're going to experience the same comfort that I experience from God. And he goes on to say this, he says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, there's trouble, so also in our comfort abounds through Christ. That's the gospel again. And if we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's, it's for you. It's for your comfort, which produces in you a patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. You're going to go through some of the same things we have, but you'll experience what we've experienced. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comforts. Paul is just confident of that. That you're going to be able to get a taste of what we've tasted. Yes, life has been complicated and hard, but there's comfort. And we're going to share that with you. And and you're going to experience what we have. We're going to kind of extend it beyond just just our lives and what we love. and, And you're going to be able to live in that too. It's a beautiful picture. Like one of, the, one of the simplest pictures that I can think about where this happens in life is, is what happens when we give um, scholarships to students here for camps. And, and we do this often, like a student will be newer to our group and they want to come to camp, but they don't have the money. And, and so often that's kind of embarrassing for them. I, I don't want to take a scholarship. And so usually what I'll say with, amongst many other things is I'll say, hey, here's the thing. Someday you will have money. I mean, right now you don't, and it's hard, but someday you will. And, and when you have money, d- just, just share it with somebody else. Do for them what, what somebody else has done for you, because here's the thing. The money that, that people gave, almost every single person that gives money for scholarships for camp, this is what they tell me to the side. They say, hey, Matthias, I just want to let you know, so glad to give this to you, to students, because when I was in high school, somebody did this for me. And it changed my life so significant. Like I'm where I'm at today because of what somebody did for me. And so I'm glad. I was comforted then. And I'm glad to share that comfort now and extend it on to other people so they'll experience what I have. That's, that's exactly what Paul is saying. And, and really our ministry, our, our life, it just, it just comes out of this simple principle. Like when I think about what I do every day, that's what I do, period. Okay? People ask me, Matthias, how do, you, how do you come up with the things that you're going to teach students? You're teaching students all the time. How, how do you come up with that kind of stuff? How do you come up with what you're going to share on the weekends? I, I say, like, I, I literally, it's not that profound. I read the Bible. I listen to people. And God, God speaks to me. He challenges my life. And I just share with other people what, what I've learned. That, that's it. Like it was meaningful for me and, and the hope is it'll be meaningful and helpful for other people. That, that's what I do. I, I tell people like that's why I love working with students. Like no offense adults, but, but you guys are a little bit um, harder sometimes for me. What, why I like working with students is because that time in my life, middle school, especially high school and college, um, so awkward, right? Do, do you remember that? <laughs> So uh, trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life, trying to survive the culture, social culture of highs, all that kind of dating. You remember that? Man, awkward. All, who, how we walk through this. Like, I, I remember that. And in that time, God, God did things. 
Like he grew my, my faith in, in huge ways. I mean, he's still doing it now, but huge ways when I was young. And so uh, like for me, I just I walk in with students, I meet them, and I just want them to, again, experience the, the comforts and the realities and the things that I experienced when I was that age. It drives me to do what I do today. Okay. And, and what I find is, again, even, even some of the hardest things, like they, they have purpose in my life for what God is doing through me. Have you, have you realized that? Like some people say that God never wastes a pain and I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really like those catchy phrases, but I, I, I just, what, what I see is, is every time I, I walk through significant things, like God has a plan where it spills out into the lives of other people. Like, like I can think about the year my dad passed away. It was about 11 years ago, and um, it was kind of a really challenging time, and it was really kind of sudden, too, and um, my dad passed away, and, and God, like, ministered to me in so many different ways through some of you guys and, and, and just, just in my own heart, and, and I walked through that. But what's interesting to me is when I look back, that year, there was three students in our youth group that lost their dads, Okay. No other year have I had like that. But that year, three students, and I, I remember one of them in particular, she was kind of newer to our youth group in the fall. She came like a, just a couple times, and I found out her dad was dealing with cancer. And because of that, there was kind of a connection there, right? I, I felt like I could identify with her in, in some ways. And, and I remember... Um, right after Christmas break, and I, I went up to the high school, and um, I, I was excited just to see her, because I'd been praying for her. We hadn't seen her for a long time, and I was just wondering how her dad was, and, and, and so I went up there uh, for lunch, and I, I met her kind of right by the office. I, I remember it to this day, and I saw her, and I was like, Sarah, how's your dad, right? And, and she told me that her dad had passed away over Christmas break, and um, you know, I <laughs> Say a few words, look her in the eye, tell her I, I care about her, tell her I can kind of understand. I remember going to my truck and, um, and, and just crying and in some ways just thanking the Lord that I could look her in the eye and say, I understand, right? That, that's Sarah who's singing this weekend, by the way. <laughs> like, um, significant. God comforts us and, and out of that, like he extends that to be a blessing to other people. That's all we do. That's all God is asking us to do and sharing the gospel. In fact, Jesus just said it. We read this a lot, but this is kind of some of Jesus's last words, so they're important, right? And so Jesus, he's looking at his friends, again, his followers, and he says, you'll, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and this is what you'll do. You'll be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you can circle that word witnesses because that's key. Jesus is just calling you to be a witness. What does a witness do? Do they understand everything that happened and all the details? No, they just speak about what they saw and heard and experienced. That's it. That's all, that's all we're being asked to do, is to be able to speak out of what God has done in our lives. And to me, that is, that is such good news to me. I mean, to me, what that says is that if I've experienced anything in following Jesus, then I have something to share, right? Anything. Like if you just met Jesus last week, 
and, and you're trying to figure it out. You don't know hardly anything about the Bible. You, you, you have something to share. A lot of times we're so held back again because we feel like we don't, we don't have all the answers. And you should. You should learn your scriptures. You should grow in your knowledge. But if you, again, have experienced God doing anything in your life, um, you, you have something that's helpful. Even if you think your life is boring, right? Have you, have you ever felt like that? I, I remember uh, being a middle schooler and I read this book called The Cross and the Switchblade. I don't know if you've ever heard this book. It's like a, a, a book about this guy named Nicky Cruz and he was like a notorious gang member in New York City. He came out of a really broken world, broken lifestyle, really angry, kind of intense guy. He was famous for walking into gang fights and just beating people with a baseball bat, right? Just, just a mean kind of angry guy and he meets this scrawny little preacher who shares about Jesus with him and um, just transforms his life and so Nikki Cruz today living for Jesus writing books like speaking and I remember reading that and you know some people read that book and they're like God's so powerful Um, when I read that book I thought to myself man my life is boring I did I mean, I cried when I went to the principal's office in third grade, right? That, that did, I didn't, I, I mean, I remember thinking like maybe I need to do some horrible things so that I have a story to share. And, and, and we think that because we're not, we're not aware enough of what God is doing in our lives. Like Nikki's story is significant, especially from people from really broken worlds like his, and he can speak of the power of God. But I can just as much speak of the power of God to save somebody who grew up going to church. And and insecurities, got them. Fears, failures, shame, like oh I can I can I can speak out of that because in those things. God, again, was, was real. If you've experienced anything, you have, have, have something to share. And so I just, I, I want to ask us this morning again, what has God done in your life? And, and maybe not just like the first time in your life back when you were eight, but now. Like, like what is he doing? Sometimes we're just so, we're running so fast. We're doing so many things. We're not, we're not even aware of how God is, again, producing the gospel in us. Comfort, hope, peace in the time of trouble. How, how is he doing that? What has he done? Could, could, we, could we again think about that? And, and then who needs to hear it? I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I don't often ask God enough about that, I think. Um, sometimes I just assume, or sometimes I'm just waiting, and, and, and I don't think I, I, I pray enough to the Lord about the people in my life saying, Lord, who, who, needs, to, who needs to hear about this? Um, or, or maybe this, Lord, bring somebody into my life that, that needs, that, that I, can, I, I can begin to know them and I can hear what they're saying and I can be able to say, oh yeah, I remember I thought that way, but here, here's what God does. And, and the last question I'd ask us this morning, I, I think um, at first it might feel different, but, but it's important. Like, how has God used gateway in your life? Because here's, here's the thing. 
Um, this week, we get to celebrate Easter, and, and in some ways, that's for us, and it could be all about us. We, we could celebrate Easter. We could walk in Thursday night. We could walk in next weekend worshiping God, and we should be glad because of God's significant work in our lives. Like, we should, we could do that, but again, we could just kind of keep that all for us. We, we love it. We're happy. Thank you, Jesus. Again, and we go home and have our Easter brunch. Have a great day. And, and we're kind of we're kind of done. But again, God would say what He's done in your life. His hope again is to extend that on to other people. And, and here, here's what I find is is for many of us in this room, the, the comfort that we're living in in life, um, God produced a lot of that through this place, didn't He? Um, through, through the preaching of the word, or probably even more than that, like through some of the people in this room or in this church that you know. Like I was just thinking, think about this. Think about when you first came to Gateway. Where were you at? What were you looking for? What was that like? Like you decided to stay here. People only stay at a church because it's meaningful, <laughs> Right? We don't do that out of obligation and duty. We have too many other things to do in our lives, right? We, we, it's, it's me. God, God met you here. When I think about when I first came to Gateway, for me, it was actually between my sophomore and junior year of college. And, and while I was away at school, my parents moved up to Camas of all places. And, and, and I didn't have any money, so I had to live with them for the summer. And, and, and so here I was. And, and what a lot of people don't know is, is that was actually um, just a really difficult time in my life. I was just coming off um, a, a relationship that I had been in for about two and a half years with a young woman that had ended. And um, it was somebody that in the midst of that, I was pretty convinced I was going to marry her. And part of that is because we had went so far like physically and some other things that um, they just, and it, it destroyed the relationship. Like it wasn't, the last year of it was just ugly and unhealthy and it ended in a really bad way. And so honestly, for one of the first times in my life, I was carrying shame and, 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 and like this guilt and I was alone. I didn't know anybody except my parents. And um, there, there was three things that happened that, that summer that I was at at, at Gateway. Um, the first one is there was a guy named Chris and um, I know my dad set this up for me, but, but Chris Fisher, he um, invited me to play basketball. He literally drove to my parents' house, picked me up and, and I went and I played basketball and I could do that. I actually was pretty good at it. And so I was like, oh, this is something I could do. And I just, I, I played basketball with Chris and some of his friends. And, and, and then there was two other people. There was a guy named Jeremy, which is going to be here Thursday night, and, um, and, and a girl named Jeanette. And, and I just, I, they didn't know anything about me. And we decided to just kind of have a little grow group. I don't even remember how that happened, but we just decided to kind of start getting together. And they were willing. They were good friends. They had friends. They had things to do. And they were like, sure, we'll hang out with you. <laughs> come, come with us. And, and I remember, too, the, the preaching of the word. And again, we were going through that summer, the books of the Old Testament, like one book each week. And, and again, there, Chris Fisher, he was a youth pastor, and he gave a message out of the book of Haggai, which is this tiny little book in the Bible that nobody reads, right? And, and it's this amazing story. There's a phrase in that, that, that book that says, why are you living in your nice paneled houses while God's house remains a ruin? Like, why are you so focused on your own life when God has things for you to do? And, and that, that phrase just rang in my life for a year. 
Like that was right what I needed. At that, that, just walking into school again, driving how I thought about my life. And it was just, it was just the, God met me again in this place. And he's done that with you. Like maybe through the teaching. My guess is for many of you, like somebody included you in a grow group and now you have people who follow Jesus too who actually think about you more than just when they see you on the weekend. People have cared for your kids and you love it that, that people minister about Jesus to your kids. Like God has comforted you, met you here in this place. And what Paul would say is that's great. That's for you. You have that comfort, but out of that, could you share that comfort with others? Or could you do for others what God has done for you? That, that's our opportunity next weekend. So not just kind of hold on to that ourselves, but, but again, to do it too. Seek to include other people in, in our lives, in our groups, to pray for the teaching of the word, to, if you play music, be involved. If that's meaningful for you and you can, like, be involved with that. Um, to, to love kids like other people have loved your kids, whatever. Like, you have an opportunity, again, to do for others what God, through other people, has done for you. And if we could do that next week, if we could do that every week around here, what, what, a, what a helpful place for many people. Let's not, let's not keep it just to ourselves. Let me pray for us. God, um, it is just, it's good for us to live in your word again and, and to remember uh, some of the harder truths about you and about this world, like the confidence, the, the, the reality that we, we will, we do walk through hard things. Lord, if, if there's anybody in this room who's in the midst of that right now, I pray um, for the same things that Jesus wanted for his friends, peace in the midst of trouble. I pray that very soon they would know that from you. Lord, this week, I, I pray that you would open doors for us, um, that we would be in situations where we recognize we have something to share with somebody else because of what you've done in us. Continue to work in our lives, Lord. We don't want to just kind of sit there. We want to continue to trust you and, and know you, so stretch us and grow us. Do that, do that for me. And God, help us to use that in any way that you open the doors for us to. Give us opportunities, Lord. We want to give ourselves to you in that way and say we will take any opportunity you give us, not just this week, but this year. And Lord, we, we love you that you're greater. You're greater than all the things we walk through in life. In Jesus' name, amen.